0: Congress, the Federal Trade Commission, and the Justice Department are preparing to investigate whether big tech companies are engaged in any competitive behavior. Google, Facebook, Apple, and Amazon have been facing pressure from regulators overseas for the last several years, but now those concerns have apparently begun to rise here in the U.S. This comes at a time when some, like Massachusetts Senator and Democratic presidential candidate Elizabeth Warren, are calling for the breakup of tech giants. So what does all of this scrutiny mean for the future of these? companies as well as their investors joining me here in studio eric clemens professor of operations information and decisions here at the wharton school he's also author of the book new patterns of power and profit a Strategist's guide to competitive advantage in the age of digital transformation joining us on the phone himant Bargava, who is a chair in technology management at the university of california at davis in their graduate school of management eric great to see again Good to be here. Thank
1: you.
2: Hey, Matt, great to have you back. Thank you, Dan, and especially to have Eric on the phone with me.
1: I was going to say the same thing about you. Uh, delighted that you could join us. Hey, thanks, Eric. So, Hey, Matt, with, with this word coming out that, that, that these
0: investigations are possible here, do you believe that there's, there's actually some teeth behind this?
2: So I think, uh, Dan, the investigation itself is well-placed. I think there is a need to rethink uh, antitrust laws in the age of, uh, I mean, all these companies that they're talking about, these are platform companies, right? They have unorthodox business models. So I think there is sense in looking at it, but based on everything we've heard in terms of the the complaints against these companies, I really don't think there is too much teeth. They are all different, so I don't mean to say it's the same answer for all of them. I think the case against Amazon in particular, it's going to be quite different, stronger in some sense than Google's. And I think if you be Facebook into it, then again it's a different case because it might be based on data issues rather than, the, you know, other antitrust or the sorts of issues against Google for um, tightening things around their business partners. But overall, I think I, I believe this is much more of a rethink rather than um, something that will be punitive.
1: Eric, your thoughts? Yeah. I, first, I, I want to pick up and say I, I, I agree it's, it's a rethink. Oh, we went through a massive change in our regulatory philosophy maybe between 1880 and 1930 because business models had changed. And I think uh, we're doing the same thing now. I want to push a little bit in, in a different direction. Uh, it's not about bigness. Each of the companies is, is giant, but each of the companies has a different form of abuse. So if I were to, to to tee it up, I would say it's not surprising that Facebook is being sent off to the Federal Trade Commission. It's less about monopoly power and more about abuse of consumers, abuse of consumers' data, mm-hmm. abuse of consumers through lack of, of transparency. I think Haymont nailed it, of course, when he said they're all platform companies, and platform companies have a different kind of abuse of power so I, I think the case against Google is very, very strong. As, as you mentioned, the uh, EU has hit them with with truly massive fines for abuse of platform power. Uh, Amazon is more about what it could do next. Yeah. Uh, its its abuse of small retailers and the implications of that for competition. And in the in the case of Apple, I would say there's a there's a very concrete, but very small problem, and that problem probably has to do with abuse of power th- through the App Store. So I, I, I think app, the Apple case is straightforward. I think the Google case is the most complex and is is going to have teeth. It's going to require a massive rethink to deal with abuse, and then the the Facebook case. You know we've discussed this before. I think Facebook's behavior borders on treason that's not the same as uh as abuse of monopoly power but their willingness to engage in election manipulation is a is a very different kind of abuse and i think the ftc has every reason to go after them
0: but as we were talking before we went on the air eric one of the things we highlighted was the regulatory or the lack of regulatory side where a lot of these companies are, are are basically laying right now and their ability to be able to, a degree, take advantage of the fact that there isn't much of a regulatory side for
1: what they are trying to do as a company. I think Heymont expressed that perfectly when he said it's about a rethink. Uh, we didn't have a policy about uh, Monopoly telcos until we had Monopoly telcos. We didn't have a policy... About massive uh, monopolies in steel or oil until we had massive monopolies in steel or oil. We don't have a regulatory policy now for abuse of search or for abuse of the Android operating system. We don't have uh, regulatory structures in place for uh, the use of data to support uh, murderous regimes in the Philippines or election manipulation here uh... it doesn't mean that we won't it doesn't mean that the this won't eventually have teeth but as as a said it's there's a need for a rethink because there's a massive gap in our regulatory policy hey, Matt?
2: yeah i like the way you framed the question then i totally agree with uh, eric i think um, picking up on something a little more recent if you think of e-commerce um, thirty years ago uh, the companies that started doing e-commerce had absolutely zero regulation or legislation around it. They did the, what they wanted for many years, exploited the lack of a regulatory framework, and then over time we've begun to, you know, put some things around that. Though I don't think that is complete either. So I, I, I think I agree with Eric. This is um, such a different world in terms of business models, and um, you know, for instance, Google's abuse of search uh, or the Power on search. It's really not clear under what laws we could ask a search engine to change the way it does its search results. The closest this you know I can think of is the American Airlines and Sabre story from back from the 1970s and 80s, where Sabre, as a computerized reservation system owned by Americans became so it was so revolutionary, and became so fundamental to the mm-hmm. sale of airline seats. That once it started biasing the results in favor of American, there was a huge advantage to American. But this is in a in a business industry where there were you know half a dozen major airlines, and the reservation system was operated by one of them. Google's case is you know somewhat different because even though there are times when Google um, does things that hurts small businesses or its advertising partners, that's not the predominant aspect of Google. And in fact. Um, Google's business would not survive if it, if it did that at a very huge scale. But the point is there is really no clear framework around how a search engine should be regulated in terms of how it organizes its results and what other biz- industries it can enter and how it might, you know, derive synergies from its existence in these two industries. But hey, my- Amazon's a similar. Sorry, just to finish. This. Yep. In the sense that it's a marketplace, but it's also now selling its own products.
0: Hey, man, has, has what you just said about about the idea of, of really not having thought about regulation around search has that even really been a consideration to this point?
2: Well, the, the, some of the complaints uh, against Google in Europe, in India, and I think to some extent in the US have been that they favor their own properties or their affiliates to the detriment of other firms. So, yes, it has been a part of the the complaint.
1: Uh, Heyman, uh, uh, of course, got it right when he looked to Sabre and Apollo. So Sabre and Apollo were two airline reservation systems uh, and they were actually used in the case of Sabre, American used it to bankrupt Braniff and in the case of United, Uh, United used Apollo to bankrupt Frontier, and this was one of the rare successful uses of something called Essential Facilities Doctrine, Mm -hmm. which said that uh, the reservation systems were both too expensive to replicate and too critical to the industry, and if a company could use it to bankrupt a competitor in the same industry, uh, that was illegal. Mm -hmm. Google very seldom destroys companies... Uh, they have, in fact, the uh, the Foundum case, which was about three billion euros, was about de- using Google search to destroy a company mm-hmm. in an area where Google wanted to compete. Right. So we we do have a limited amount of of historical precedent for abuse of search. I think the greatest danger from Google. Uh, is actually uh, in, in two other areas. I think the greatest danger is really the abuse of the cost of search, the cost of keywords, which in some products is uh, one of the largest costs of goods sold. In other words, it could be half the the actual selling price of the item is the cost of the keywords uh-huh. to, to get it sold. Uh, that's one of the reasons the EU went after them. And then the other is the ability to deliberately limit interoperability, which we've discussed before, the yeah. ability to say this can be on an Android device, this must be, this can't be. And that's the power to essentially control the future of, uh, of the online world. So if, if I were going to look for things to go after Google for, I have a habit of writing papers that nobody reads I I wrote a paper with Paul Kleindorfer a great regulatory economist in 1991 about the uh, power of unregulated online search. Mm-hmm. Let's just say the interest in the power of unregulated online search in 1991 was minimal. Yeah. Uh but but the the need to regulate search has been clear since since the reservation systems. The need to regulate the cost of keywords has only been clear maybe 10 to 12 years and then the ability to keep the platform open the the ability to uh to deny google the right to freeze guys out of android has been an issue for a couple of years
0: so let's switch then to amazon for a second and when you look at the case uh, of amazon uh eric where is it that that the operations that amazon run where are the concerns that you have with that company
1: i I have two Uh, Uh, One is there's a a doctrine called duty to deal which says if if part of your current business success is a result of cooperating with other companies Uh and now you no longer need them, terminating the relationship with them simply for competitive advantage is illegal. Uh So Amazon's success in the marketplace involved hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of small sellers – and then they have been systematically dropping the ones where they would rather compete directly without, without competition from their original sellers. Right. So the abuse of small sellers actually does violate existing U.S. law, and that's a concern. I think for me the bigger concern is, is, is going forward. Again, Hemont talked about platforms. Uh, how do you build a smart car? That needs access to all of your data. Yeah. Well, you've got to interact with your smartphone. Yep. So everybody who's building a smart car in Europe today is either working with uh, iOS or they're working with with Android. The ability of uh, guys who are building smart homes are much more likely to work with Alexa. So if Alexa decides that it's time for my smart fridge to order stuff, who's Alexa going to order from? It's going to order from Amazon. It's going to yeah. order from from Whole Foods, so there's this new piece of platform in the smart home is a is a potential future abuse from from Amazon. Right. I think the real problems with Amazon today are the the abuse of small sellers, right? And then the the possible abuse of platform power. Hemant, does that make sense to you?
2: Yes, Eric. I. I agree with everything you said. So here's something I would add, which is sort of going more towards a constructive or what might be a regulatory solution. That, you know, all the things Eric said about abuse are correct, but we have to remember every one of these firms got into a position that it could do abuse by having sacrificed profits for 10 or 15 years. Mm -hmm. And so the question is, how do you enable... uh, A business environment where innovators are willing to sacrifice for a long time to do something good overall, but that eventually they might begin abusing. And if you completely, you know, what I'm thinking is what's the window of abuse that should be allowed? And I'm making an analogy here with patent laws where firms invest, you know, billions of dollars to do something new, and then they're allowed to benefit in a... Above normal way for certain time periods, say like 17 years. I'm wondering whether, for platform businesses in particular, which have this uh, characteristic of maybe if they're multi-sided platforms that they they provide pro- benefits to one side but never charge them and then make up on the other side or do it through some other mechanism, whether they should they should be allowed to do it for some time, and then the window closes. I and love I it. Wonder, I wonder what Eric thinks about that as a potential solution. Because if you completely close that off, then it may also prevent these innovations from occurring. In the first
1: place. I love it. So one of the uh, exam questions I use every year is I take something and I ask the students to defend its fairness or lack of lack of fairness. Mm-hmm. And, of course, fairness is not a term that economists use. We right. use things like efficient. And obviously a retroactive punishment for success has a chilling effect on future innovation. So if, if I were taking a look at, at Amazon, I probably would object to retroactively uh, punishing uh, the marketplace, retroactively mm-hmm. punishing small sellers because that violates existing law. There's, mm-hmm. there's a framework for that. Uh, in terms of getting the true value out of Alexa – I think there's a really interesting question there. Alexa is truly innovative, and that's a good thing. If Alexa is used to crush small retailers by taking choice out of of the purchasing decision, should that be permitted for two years, for seven years? Uh, I would probably argue that Amazon has enough power and enough profit today. We don't have to enable illegal activity. Uh, I would argue Google Google's idle cash and cash equivalent would allow them to buy the four largest uh, airlines in North America sure. with money left over. Yeah. So to argue that they need the opportunity for, for continued supernormal profit uh, seems to me a, a, a bit of a stretch. But the idea of being fair to entrepreneurs so as not to chill innovation is, is a very solid point.
0: But as you were saying that, I was thinking, but we we provide that opportunity in the pharma industry to give them the opportunity to be able to to make these super super large profits as well we We do
1: we do uh if I were looking for differences, for instance facebook 's behavior it, it's not about uh earning super normal profits facebook's behavior is about subverting. Uh, democratic processes around the world. I I just got back from uh, keynoting a workshop in Copenhagen at the law school of the Copenhagen Business School, trying to figure out if uh, if technology can save democracy from Mm -hmm. technology. In in other words, what we need to know about big tech uh, to avoid a, a collapse of democratic processes I would say my concerns are a little bit beyond how long Google should have supernormal profits, uh-huh. and and how we protect uh, the rest of society from Google and, and Facebook. For for anyone who's followed my writings for the past dozen years, Google has been demoted. I no longer view them as the most dangerous or the most rapacious or most unethical company on Earth. And
0: that's saying something with some of the comments we've heard from you in the past. Yeah, Yeah. yeah.
1: so uh, in in other words, I'm almost thinking that that we may need Google as part of any solution going forward. I I didn't think I would hear those words from you, Eric. Heyman, can I ask you a question? Uh, So one of the things that's interesting to me is that if we overregulate American big tech – Uh, Which, despite my concerns, uh, does have some ethical standards and some independence. Mm. Do we open the the path for Chinese domination? And if we have if we have Chinese domination of search and Chinese domination of shopping and Chinese domination of social networks, how much worse would that be, Hamont?
2: I think that's a great question, and it could be hugely worse. And, in fact, I wanted to also comment on some of the other things you said, but they're actually interconnected. So I agree with you because there would be no really no way to stop a favored Chinese company from getting bigger and bigger and becoming – you know, there there, there are ways they could weave their way into American consumers and, and, you know, use that to stretch out in other areas. Uh, You mentioned that Google is no longer the biggest threat, um, and, in fact, we may need – so I think in – if you look at these four or five, six big tech companies, we often may need them to be the shield against abuse by other big companies. Um, Google, I think that 2015, Google had about 55% of product searches. Amazon had almost 45. In 2018, the numbers were switched. So more product searches happen on Amazon. So that's really going to Eric's point that, um, you know, Things, are, things keep moving around, and each of these companies has enough power to encroach. And in fact, one thing that has been silent is to what extent there is some kind of tacit collusion among these big companies right. to not go too deep into each other's territories, because they both realize if they both, you know, on multiple firms, if they all did that, they would be attacked, and that would really hurt everyone's profits. So they make enough moves to go into each other's uh, turfs, but not so fierce uh, so much that it causes a fierce reaction. And if that's happening in any way that is actually anti-competitive, that would be something uh, important to talk about.
0: Let me ask you this then, Haman: um, the, the, the the conversation on Capitol Hill, obviously, right now is, is about the investigation, but it's also about the potential of, of breaking some of these companies up. And so when you hear that conversation, when you hear those ideas now, you react by saying what?
2: Well, I react in two ways. One is the point we made about Rethink, that actually maybe we need to have laws in which the word platform shows up. We need to recognize that this is a very fundamental change in business and that it has to be governed by laws that are appropriate to it. The second part is where I'm a little less clear, which is how much retroactively do we apply these supposed new laws to the existing businesses. And that was, you know, what we were talking about, the window of abuse. I'm not sure whether that window has passed. I think Eric feels that it has. And, in fact, if we come up with the right laws, it's time to apply them, in which case it may make sense to break up these companies. But as I think about how... For instance, if you broke up Google between a search engine and something else, then the search engine, you know, at the moment it's free, and and how do they make profits, right? So it's not right. clear to me that breaking up is the right remedy today, but the laws need to recognize that it may be appropriate to break up these companies.
1: Yeah, I, I I think, for instance, breaking up Google's search into multiple search engines would actually not reduce the cost. Our, our experience with uh, Sabre and Apollo uh, decades ago was that search engines buy loyalty. Yeah, Buying, buying loyalty requires revenue. Yeah. Revenue comes from overcharging the guys who need to be found. So, in fact, breaking search up into multiple search engines would probably make search more expensive. Uh, for the for the for the sellers. So what we would probably need to find is a, a, a new remedy for dealing with dealing with search. Breaking search up and having Google Android separate from Google Apps, separate from uh, Google Search, is actually not a bad idea. But again, uh, Heymont, although search wouldn't be free. I think the cost of – I think the way we provide search now is the most expensive possible way to provide oh. search. In other words, it right, looks right. it looks free, but Google has so much power over sellers that, it, again, their cash and near cash is, uh, is enough to buy four airlines or four uh, of the largest automotive companies in the world. It's got to be possible to provide search more cheaply than that. It's interesting. My students think nothing of having a two hundred dollar uh, cable bill for yeah. for for cable and for, for internet, uh, internet and, and, and for phone. TV and on demand and. On the other hand, they think three dollars a month for a search engine would be crazy, <laughs> and or three dollars a month for a clean Facebook would be crazy, and and I, I don't understand it. I mean the the I actual cost. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you, Hemant.
2: No, I I think that's great, Eric. I totally agree with you. And if I think of the papers that I would have liked to write but never wrote, it would be (laughs) one where it says, you know, search or Facebook might want to be free for the first three or five years, but then really we are all better off by paying for it. Here's a bizarre bizarre fact,
1: Hemant. My first Facebook friend was actually Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, it's a long story. It, it, he was making fun of me for not being a, a Facebook user, so I agreed I would sign up if he friended me, so he did. Oh. Reading his his sister's uh, posts was great fun for a while. Uh, what, what's the, the point of the story? I've been watching them for a long time, and my concern is that Mark never wanted a clean Facebook. You oh. know, and I couldn't figure out why you wanted a billion third-world users who couldn't afford to pay anything, right? the answer is clear because they vote and sure. because their corrupt governments are willing to pay massive amounts to influence how they vote. So that, that's a dirty business. It's always been a dirty business. It's a dirty business from the start. And it, uh, it probably needs a, a regulatory uh, sanitation. So
0: then let me ask you this uh, off of that. Facebook making some of the changes that they are saying that they are going to make leading into the 2020 election. Do you think that that they will be able to make enough change where we won't see what we have seen in 2016 and 2018?
1: I don't believe they want to uh, for, okay. forgive me, but uh when I hear Mark talk about being proactive, that's, he's just talking about stalling. When he right. talks about needing three years to get something right, he's, he's, he's stalling. Uh, the only way to make this work would be to have an alternative revenue source, which is an alternative business model. And he's, he's not talking about going anywhere near that.
0: Great having you both with us. Uh, Eric, great to see you. Thanks hey, for coming in.
1: Thank you. Hey, Mark, always good to have you on
2: had a lot of fun, Eric,
0: and then thank you. You got it, Hamad. Hamad Bargava from the University of California at Davis. Eric Clemens here in studio from the Wharton School.
1: For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit
2: knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.